It's our primary practice as a missional community is to be a people of radical hospitality. For my wife Karen and I and for our kids, yeah, it means opening up our home, having meals with our neighbors or you know going over and hanging out at the barbecue at our neighbor's house and just living with and just getting to know our neighbors and just getting to know each other and having those life on life connections as we deepen relationships we have opportunities to talk about the deep things of life so for us it's opportunity to share our love for Jesus or share about some of the things we're struggling with and maybe for our neighbors it's over a meal sharing their struggles and having opportunity to pray for them in the name of Jesus. So hospitality is huge for us as a family. And I think about it as a lot, quite honestly, even as a pastor, like making hospitality, practice of hospitality, one, one of the foremost things that I think about and live out as a pastor. the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, I hope you're having a great week so far. I'm not sure what day of the week you're listening to this episode on, but uh, when I'm recording it, we just got back from an amazing Team K weekend, a little house rental on a lake, little Airbnb thing, and the whole family came out. What a what an amazing time. Tina and I are always so blessed by the ease with which our family hangs out together. With the now that our kids are grown and we got the grandkids all running around and how well they all hang. And it's really a beautiful reminder of the kingdom of God. It really is to us, and we see it that way. And very, very often that would include people of peace and extended family doing those kind of things with us. In this case, it was really just Team K, just the original bio family. And I have to give a big shout out to Dave and Debbie, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, Tina's brother, some of our closest, dearest family and friends who were part of that with us this weekend. They really made this happen. Their generosity went above and beyond to make this beautiful home and this time together on this weekend for Team K happen. So thank you. Love you guys. What an awesome weekend it was. And I'm just still full and excited and hope that I can do it again soon. Hey, if you're finding this podcast, the Everyday Disciple podcast, helpful or encouraging in any way, would you please share it with a friend? Would you just take that moment and say, wow, this episode was great, or I've heard a bunch, or I'm just going to take the time to pay it forward. That is the biggest way people find new podcasts, at least in my understanding and my experience, is when a friend says, hey, I think you'd dig this. I think you'd really enjoy what's happening here in this podcast. Would you do that? Would you share the Everyday Disciple podcast with some folks you love? I'd certainly appreciate it. And as long as we're taking care of some business there, Here's another thing I'd love you to do is hop on a Zoom call with me and let me explain to you the full framework of our discipleship and and missional coaching, our coaching and mentorship program. Tina and I coach together as a couple and we coach couples and it's a pretty unique experience to learn gospel fluency and how to live on mission as a family and an outward to missional community life and the rings just keep going. Love to set up a short Zoom call, get to know you better tell you about it, answer any questions you have, and maybe that'll be a good fit. You can learn more and set up that Zoom call if you'd like by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash 
coaching, all right? I'm excited to get into today's episode with you right now. This is going to be a pretty cool story of how this one traditional small group sort of morphed into a vibrant incarnational missional community. My guest today is Terrence Skilstra, and he's a pastor, he's a missional community leader at the table, and they're serving an under-resourced neighborhood in downtown Thorold, Ontario. So for us Americans, that's up in Canada. <laughs> that's where he now lives with his wife and his kids and the community that they've started, that missional community. His story is how their small group evolved into a missional community. And it's, it's been an amazing thing. He's been a church planner and involved in these types of things for a while. But him and his small group found God's calling on their life, taking him to some places that, well, were a little surprising. So I think you're going to love this story. Take a listen to our conversation, and then I'll be back with a few more thoughts and the big three takeaways from today's episode. Hey, Terrence, thanks for being on and giving a little bit of your time to tell your story to all my friends here on the podcast. Yeah, Caesar, it's good to be with you, man. Tell us a little bit about your basics. Like, where do you live? What you up to? Parenting, married kids, and all that. Just so people have a little bit of a context of who you are and what you're up to. And then we'll dig into your story of transition from sort of traditional to much more missional experiences there. My wife, Karen, and I and our four kids, we live in downtown Thorold. And that's a, a city in Ontario, Canada, that's tucked in between Niagara Falls and St. Catharines. And uh, we've been planting uh, missional communities in downtown Thorold for the last seven or eight years or so. And, and our, our context is a urban, unreached neighborhood. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of challenges in our, in our context, uh, yeah, dealing with uh, addictions and drugs and, and poverty. Um, but uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. It's an amazing, amazing city that we live in. And we just love, love this place called downtown Thorold. Are you working at a church presently? Yeah, so I'm the pastor of the table, which is a yeah, the group of missional communities that serve here in downtown Thorold. Are you connected to the national table network at all? I'm just curious. No, no, never even heard of it. Oh, wow. Well, there's a whole network of people doing missional community planting and churches and recongregating all, but they're called the table, mm-hmm. and they base all the startups around meals and having you know, connection wow. that way. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Definitely got to look into that. Yeah. That'd be a cool thing. So what year was it that you started this transition from a more traditional small group structure that you were a part of mm-hmm. and maybe even leading, you can tell us that. What did it look like? When was that? And what, what's some of the impetus for why you thought, man, it, I think it's time to start living in a little bit different way here with this, this group of people. Yeah. So if, if you go back about 12, 13 years ago, I was part of um, helping to plant a church in Thorold. So that's a city where we are now. Mm-hmm. And we, we were um, planting this church and, you know, to getting to know the, the neighborhood and, and serving in the community. And um, I got part of a small group as part of that church plant. Um, so my wife, Karen, and I became part of a small group um, uh, along with another handful of other Christians, and we we just did what small groups do. We we met together, um, you know, every other week, and we we prayed together, and we did, we did Bible studies together, and uh, yeah, every so often we would have a meal together, and and then we started to pray and ask the question: 
as we're reading God's word, you know, what, what, what else is God inviting us into in our community? And, and that's kind of how the story of the, of the table began. And what was the sort of first steps towards a little bit more incarnation or a little bit more mission and outward focus? What were some of the mm. very first steps you began to try to initiate? Yeah. So we started as a, a small group as part of that church plant. And um, we, we went to an inner city school in downtown Thorold, and we connected with the principal there. And we, we asked him if there's some way that our small group can serve in the community mm, great. and serve, serve that school. And um, the principal was a little bit reluctant at first, and we had a, a couple conversations. But in, in time, uh, he, he, the principal opened up to us and, and said that, you know, in, in that inner city school, they, they would love to see um, a more, more a sense of community built within the school so cultivating a sense of community in the school and then we mm -hmm. said as a as a small group sure yeah like we we definitely love to help help with that um so you know i often tell the story that um you know we we said to the uh the principal okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna host a um a a, a breakfast so we're gonna invite people in the school uh people in, in around that neighborhood to come out you know on on a sunday morning and come and have breakfast. And I remember us making a whole bunch of pancakes and making a whole bunch of food. And and Caesar, here's the thing: not a single person came. Um, Where so, were you doing it at? Your house or at the school? No, we, we did it in the gym at this inner city school. And there's, and we there's your it, first. There's your first indicator. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So there there is an end to that story. But so we did it in the gym, and. Um, I remember talking to some some people in the neighborhood afterwards, and and they said, "Hey, I got the invitation um, to come to the breakfast." Uh, but here's the thing: they said, "We we don't usually wake up till about noon." Hmm. And yeah. and that was kind of the you know one of the first learnings that we had about um, our community in downtown Thorold. Uh, they didn't wake up till afternoon, or at least some of them, anyways. So, so thanks for the pancake at eight a.m. or nine a.m. But that's, they're not that exactly, good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, Caesar, how important it is for us to understand our context in order to engage meaningfully with the gospel. So, and, and that was our, our first learning and our and one of our first failures. You know, so then we kind of reassessed, and we served a dinner instead. You know, when when people were actually awake. <laughs> and a whole bunch of people came and That's and that great. was the beginning of something really beautiful and um we we did that dinner on a monthly basis and uh af after doing it for a couple of years grinding it out just coming you know one sunday a month having a dinner in this school trying to cultivate community after a couple of years we were having somewhere between 50 to 100 people come out to that gathering on a regular basis now were these people that were living in in somewhat proximity to you and the rest of the people in your in your group so yes living in the same city but not living in the same neighborhood and ah. and, and that is the development of the story of the table so um we we were serving in the inner city school and we we're getting to know neighbors there and um we were really connecting had a lot of relationships we were seeing early fruit like we were we were, we, we had a, a young family for example that 
that came to Christ and had their kids baptized as we got to know them and share the gospel with Beautiful. them. Um, and, and as it grew, grew Caesar, as it, as his ministry grew, as we connected with this inner city school, which has been the hub of our missional activity, um, we, we recognized that God was inviting us to move in, to move in closer to this school. And, um, so my wife, Karen and I, we, we prayed and, um, we, we sensed that God was calling us to move from the suburb of Thorold, um, to right in downtown Thorold. So right now, uh, my wife, Karen and I, we live right in the neighborhood. We live, uh, I, I can throw a ball and hit the school and now our kids go to that school. So it's a story of kind of getting to know this context, getting to know our neighborhood, getting to know the people there. And, and then, you know, as we got to know them and prayed, you know, God invited us deeper into the heart of this community. And what a difference it makes when you, like Jesus, put on flesh and incarnate, hang out in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. a night yeah. and day difference, right? Yeah, that, that's that's John 1 verse 14. You know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the word, took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And, and that's, yeah. uh, that's what we're all about, right? So. Now, what what about the rest of your small group that wasn't living in that neighborhood how did those relationships go because there again we talk a lot about mm -hmm. here on the everyday disciple podcast that yeah just like you're saying you got to be amongst the people because yeah. there's discipleships in all of life adventure it's yeah. not a you know a missional project that we do once in a while but not everybody is down for that a lot of us the way mm -hmm. we were sort of raised and taught it's like we are a family that sometimes goes and does a mission yeah. but there's a big difference between that and a family that lives on mission with those yeah. folks. So yeah. with that proximity difference and all, what, what were some of the things that came up as you moved in and wanted others to join you or participate? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that's still a growth area, um, for, for, uh, some people who are part of our missional community, uh, who they, they might be living in the suburbs of Thorold and, uh, yeah, they still make the drive to come hang out with us at our, our gatherings or as they're connecting with people. Um, but in large part, um, the, 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 our faith community here in, in downtown Thorold is, is a community that lives and is rooted in this community. Mm -hmm. So there are people that are, are on our leadership team. There, there are people who um, you know, came, came to faith in Jesus and, and are following him, who have come up into the, the ranks of leadership uh, at the table. Um, who live in downtown Thorold. This is their community where they live and breathe. You know, for example, um, there's there's two guys. Um, one one came to Christ about seven years ago, and the one about four years ago, and they've become really uh, important leaders at the table. I just had lunch with them today, and uh, I I just walked over. It was like a three minute walk, and you know, you we, we were praying for our neighborhood and just praying for the city. And yeah, I, I believe so strongly in that. Is that yeah, like. John 1 14 Jesus moves into the neighborhood we're called to, to move into the neighborhood and uh yeah to see a small i indigenous faith community you know grow and raised up here in our community and in, uh, in other words yeah to see people come to Christ in downtown Thorold who were born and raised downtown Thorold become yeah. the future of our church and that's a very very healthy benchmark is when you see indigenous Mm. leaders starting mm. to take the lead. In other words, they came to faith locally through the 
family, through the mission, through the ministry, whatever you want to frame it as. Yeah. But that is such a healthy indicator because that shows you mm-hmm. when, when you have indigenous leaders, a lot of the other things are firing. They're, they're yeah. working. Yeah. yeah. Right. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't have got to that point. Yeah. Then you start to pick up speed because they their roots go way deep in that community. Yeah. And so they yeah. know a lot more people, right? Yeah. yeah. So boom, you move down there and you start this off. That's a pretty that's a pretty quick timeline. I'm wondering, and I'm guessing some of the other folks listening are wondering, what did it take for you to uproot a bunch of kids and a job and a situation and all that and all of a sudden be in a very different type of environment? What were some of the challenges you experienced there as a family with your kids? I know when we moved here to Tacoma in 04, we had two in high school. And mm. they were like, nope. They went through all the stages of grief. We're moving. They're like, nope. Mm. <laughs> you know, and argued and cried and pleaded. But but ultimately, within about six weeks of being here, they loved it. So what what was some of the challenges that as a family to really embrace some more incarnational experience there with the people God called you to? What's some of what you faced and some of the challenges that came up? Well, it, it was certainly a point of prayer for my wife, Karen, and I, as we were discerning you know, whether God was inviting us to move into downtown Toronto. And uh, yeah, Karen, Karen and I had lots of conversations about it. There was times when she's, she was like, yeah, we need, we need to go all in on this. And then I was reluctant and there was times when she was reluctant. Um, But, but, you know, through prayer and, and surrender to what God was calling us to be about. um, Yeah. We, we moved into the downtown and like, what are the, what are some of the challenges? Well, um, part of, part of my story is, is, um, my wife Karen and I, we actually lived in, in in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Thorold. You um, did or you did? We did. We did. Okay. Yeah. And and then we moved downtown Thorold um and moved into one of the poorest neighborhoods in our city. So I mean it, if you want to talk about challenges, um that was a huge, huge a little transition. culture shock. Little culture shock for us. And um you know what, Caesar, we wouldn't have it any other way because because we have learned so much from our neighbors here. Um, we have learned, um, you know, what what a life of simplicity looks like. We we have learned what a, a life of dependence on others and community. We've we've learned what vulnerability is from our neighbors, and we we just wouldn't have it any other way. We just we just love being here. And, and this this neighborhood in downtown Thorold has taught us, like my wife Karen and I, um, yeah, you know what, you know what our our true purpose is in life. Um, you know, for for us to be rooted in God and rooted in community. And and, and quite honestly, I, I, we didn't have that in, mm-hmm. in our suburb, um, in, in our in our former life. And you know, there's a couple of practical things that are part of my story, like Karen and I. Um, we're business owners and I made a six figure salary. And then when, when God called us deeper into ministry, I gave that all up, man, and gave it up. And, and now we we've taken a vow of poverty and, and we want to live here in, in downtown Thorold among our neighbors. Um, yeah. Who, who may be under resourced. So. Well, I think a lot of people are resonating with what you're saying about we didn't really experience that level of community and our faith lived out in that way in the past. And mm-hmm. and I so commend you making that hard step in faith, big time faith kind of off the cliff and where's the foot going to mm-hmm. land? I, I just want to let everybody know, too, God's not always going to call you from the wealthiest neighborhood in your town mm-hmm. to the least. Yeah. However, it's happened in our life and it happens in some people's lives. But if you trust a father it's the biggest thrill ride you're ever going to have. And he already mm. knew that. And we, we get to trust him. However, 
for most people, it's going to be to take that step across the street, get to know mm-hmm. that neighbor or that school exactly. on your corner. Yeah. Right. It's your corner or the or the old folks home, the retirement village that's mm-hmm. you know, three blocks away and you walk the dog past it every day and you just wave. Those are your aunts and uncles in there. Those are older brothers and sisters. Those are people that are bearing the image of God and they well, they'll come. <laughs> they'll want to be part of the family for sure. Mm. What are some of the rhythms that you began to develop there as a family, but also then as the community began to, you know, people began to stick in some of your small group participating still? What are some of the weekly rhythms that you first started out with what did, what started what what were you doing i know a lot of people are going to what what did it look like yeah yeah i'll definitely talk about that but i'll circle back to something that you said and and that is yeah we we are not all called to move to to live a, a, among an urban under-resourced neighborhood i mean we're, we're called to be where we are in our neighborhood and serve God there. I mean, our, our story is, you know, one of what God called us to be about. That's not, you know, everybody's story. And I'll emphasize that too. You know, it's, it's really important that we're involved in ministry and in wealthy neighborhoods, uh, you know, different contexts. And I think that's really, really important. So I'll start by saying that. But um, what what are our, our rhythms as a community? Well, it's something that you're very familiar with and something that I talk about in the in the book, a piece of the city is we have a rhythms called up in and out and it's we you know as a community and our discipleship relationships and as or in our personal walk with jesus we want to be growing up in our relationship with god we want to be growing in in our relationship with each other growing deeper in community and then growing out in, in our, our relationship with our community yeah so what did that look like practically what were some of those initial up in or out rhythms so here's a little story of, a, of an up rhythm. So growing up in a relationship, God, that we learned early on as we were serving um, in the in the inner city school. So what we did was, is we started doing community dinners and we started to get to know our neighbors. And at the same time, you, had, you have to imagine we were a, a small group that were, you, you know, going out to serve as our out component, like getting to know our neighbors. But also as a small group, we had our, our devotion time, our, 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 our Bible study time as a small group. And we started asking the question, well, what if we were to invite some of our neighbors to that Bible study? And we started actually kind of get worried. We started talking about it as a, as a small group, because, you know, that's what Christians do. And we're like, yeah. So like, what, what happens if someone comes? Like, will we still be able to go deep in God's word? Or if, you know, if we have a new person who's never heard of the Bible before, um, yeah, what will that be like for us? And and we were kind of freaked out. Like we, we really didn't What's want it going to be like for them? That's what yeah, I'm asking. You know. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we, we were really concerned. And we, and at one point we just said, you know what, we need to take the risk. We need to invite some of our neighbors that we've met to come to a Bible study and Caesar. Oh man, let me tell you when we got to know, when we invited neighbors to that Bible study, and, and we just, you know, shared a couple verses, you know, from a gospel or something like that. And then just listened to the questions that some people were asking. Man, we, we, we were worried that we weren't going to go deeper, but we, we just, we went deeper in, in, in amazing ways. Always in the new, case. In new ways, in new yeah. ways, like oh. it, where we were, we started to think about things differently because people were asking different questions and, and, you know, new, new people were 
um, so inspired or in awe and wonder of God's word. And we're like, why don't we have that awe and wonder mm, yeah. of God's word? Um, so that, that I often a, say, if you want to become a mature disciple of Jesus, then disciple people, be a disciple maker. Mm. <laughs> that is the number one way that you grow in maturity is to get out there and be with people who aren't exactly like you and have the same preferences and the same age and stage of yeah. life. And the kids are yeah. just like your kid, you know, like we do the same thing with, when we teach the story of God, we teach that's mm. a big thing in community teaching narrative and dialogical night and day difference. If you do a holy huddle with a bunch of Christians or you do it with a bunch of your people, peace, friends, neighbors that you've been building a relationship with, and they're in the mix it always goes deeper. They're they're not so stuck on having the Sunday school answer and looking a certain way. We just find that people who aren't as familiar with it are are blown away by the power of the word, the beauty of the word, who Jesus is. It's such a stark contrast to the culture, us. <laughs> you know, it's like this guy looks amazing, great, yeah. great. Yeah. Let's fall deeper in love with him together. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, let me jump in on something that you said about discipleship. And, and um, yeah, I, I have a, a motto that, that says we only truly making disciples when, when we're making disciples on mission. And I think as a small group, when we were just this inward focus group studying the Bible together, I, I don't think we really um, understand what it meant to be followers of Jesus. No, and it was only when we started to serve in the crucible of our community and get to know people that were radically different than us or get to get to know people um, yeah, that, that didn't look like us or talk like us and, and getting to know them and seeing what God was doing in their life. Only then did we truly begin yeah. to be formed as followers of Jesus, because their lives touch, brushing up against ours was, was transforming us. Absolutely. And it should not surprise us, Terrence, because Jesus discipled in community. He never owned a mm. copy of a Bible. I, I don't want to shock everybody, but he never owned an Old Testament. New Testament wasn't even written. He was the New Testament. Uh, he, he wasn't just sitting down doing fill in the blanks with the boys, right? Mm. He, and yeah. it was out in community. And we say, you know, the three-legged stool is gospel in community, on mission. Without yeah. either one of those three legs missing, missing, you're not gonna make mature disciples. Of course, you can't make a disciple apart from the gospel, transforming us from unbelief to belief in every area of life. You can't do it outside of community because one-to-one, -one, I'm not Jesus alone. So if I'm discipling the heck out of you, brother, you might learn some stuff. You might grow in the areas that I've grown in maturity, but I'm not Jesus alone. We're the body. So it requires that community, the body of Christ, all those gifts and opinions and thoughts and challenges and whoa differences. And then out on mission, serving the least of these, being a servant, living out of our identity and resurfacing a whole lot more of our own gospel unbelief and fear and preference as we're with people that aren't like us, or they're not even happy we're there. How about that? <laughs> but mm -hmm. Jesus said, be with them, love them anyway. Yeah. So you need all yeah. three, right? You need, you, you need, you need all three. And you're, you're using the image of a, of, you know, three legs on the stool and often I'll use the, the image of you know, a three course meal. And I think in a lot of cases, um, small groups are, are just eating one course of the meal, mm -hmm. you know, and that is Bible study growing up in relationship with God. And, and when we learn to live on mission, we start to eat the three course meal, you know, in all equal parts, you know, growing up, and growing in together and then growing out in our relationship with our community then we can truly um yeah to live the way that jesus did like you said to, to engage our community and and be transformed by god 
and be transformed by the others as we do that. There is no way around that. So for those no. who, like maybe you and I did for years and years and decades, just maybe attend a, a church service once in a while, and maybe a midweek thing once a month every other week where we just study the Word of God, but kind of isolated from living it out and with others and all that, uh, you've got the whole Christian life ahead of you. <laughs> you've got the yeah. whole Christian life ahead of you because yeah. Jesus didn't die that we'd sit in rows in silence once uh, or 1.3 times a month or something like that when it fit our yeah. schedule. Yeah. Now, there's uh, part four in your book is called that, The Christian Life. And I found mm. this to be really a cool uh, and just really encouraging and super useful part of the book. Let's talk just a little bit about, with the time we got left, let's just talk a little bit about that that section on the Christian life, particularly exploring um, how we get to live within a missional paradigm. I, mm. I really found that to be super interesting. And again, in a lot of overlap uh, in our experience, in our heart, and our articulation of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the fourth part of the book it's called the Christian life. And and I, I start with this quote from a, you know, a famous movie that I watched as a kid. It was Beauty and the Beast. And you remember the candlestick named Lumiere? And he had yeah. this tag tagline that defined his life. And he said, life is so unnerving for the servant who is not serving. Mm-hmm. And, and that for me is a definition of the Christian life. You know, for, you know, we were talking about, um, being an inward focused small group. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not serving our community in some way, our, our life is going to be unnerving <laughs> hmm. and we're, we're not going to be experienced yeah. the, the, the fullness of what God has to offer. And it, it's the same and who we are created to be. He's a servant. Yeah. That's part of our identity. We're servants. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's the way the cross is downward mobility and servanthood. And, um, yeah, so to, to flesh that out a little bit, um, you know, I, I have, uh, sections in the book where I talk about uh, how we can serve, uh, you know, uh, under-resourced uh, sections of our community, or you know, how we can serve our neighbor, how how we can lower ourselves to place our neighbor above ourselves to serve them, and in, the, in the name of Jesus, and that might be you know through hospitality by inviting our neighbor over, or you know, in our own minds lowering ourselves to go over to a you know, the, the person's house who we would never go over to and uh, you know, allow them to serve us um, at, at their table. Um, I mean, th- this is the stuff that Jesus was all about, you know, thinking about Jesus w- when he met Levi. Uh, you know, here's a guy who is, you know, the worst of sinners in all the community. And uh, Jesus goes up to him and says, like, yeah, let's go, let's go hang out at your house and have some food, man. Like, Jesus lowers himself, being in very nature God, Jesus lowers himself to go and hang out um, with with Levi, the worst of sinners, and uh, you know that that's for me is that's what we're called to be about uh, is servants in the name of Jesus. We tend to isolate that and, and have a sort of us them mentality. Is even as you're talking, I'm hearing, mm. you know, yeah. that remnants of my upbringing in the church where it was like, you know, he look at he even hung out with the worst of sinners. I, I know your heart is not where I'm going in with this yeah. illustration, yeah. but we got to realize that Jesus looked at every one of those people as his image bearer and like a like a son or a daughter. Yeah. I and the Father are one. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, uh, the Father. And so he's not looking at that like, look at that guy. I'm a, well, I'm going to go hang out with him. It'd be like you 
running into one of your kids that you hadn't seen for years because they whatever they were upset with you they didn't trust you they heard a lie they believed and you're like oh but that's not the case and you see them on the street and they're like in a bad position you wouldn't be like look at that all right let me see what i can do you would look with such love and longing and compassion that's the heart of jesus and Amen. only the gospel brings that and, and it only comes from a, a life like you're saying lived in community we say we live actually for the sake of others unto God's glory. We right. don't exist for us, but if you want to grow in maturity and become more like Jesus, then live his life. Go make disciples who make more disciples. Yeah. And it, it'll yeah. transform you. It really oh, yeah. Will. Yeah, you nailed the <laughs> the nail on the head. And and, and you're right. Yeah, it, it begins with a posture of, of lowering ourselves. And, and that doesn't mean we're lowering ourselves down to the level of our neighbor. Um what it means is is, is recognizing, um, yeah, that that there, there's something that needs to break in us. So that's what I mean when you know when when we lower ourselves, we, there's something that we need to break in us. You know, whether our pride, or our you know, our, our superficial vision of who we are, and, and allow you know God um, to be the thing that defines us, not what we've created in our mind, and lower ourselves um, to be you know with with the other. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, just to to be a loving level playing field with our neighbor and serve them. With the community called the table, I'm guessing that meals still are a big part of how you're interacting mm-hmm. as a community, and also as the wider community now of people on all all different rings of the journey of moving from unbelief to belief. Mm-hmm. What what kind of rhythm of meals are you as a family experiencing and as a community with your people of peace and different people in the neighborhood that God's and brought into your family, so to speak. What's that look like right now? So yeah, in, in my book, I have a section called Radical Hospitality. It's our primary practice as a missional community is to be a people of radical hospitality. Personally, for my wife, Karen, and I, and for our kids, yeah, it means opening up our home, having meals with our neighbors, or you know, going over and hanging out at the barbecue at our neighbor's house, and, and just living with and just getting to know our neighbors and just getting to know each other and having those life on life connections as we deepen relationships we have opportunities to talk about the deep things of life so for us it's opportunity to share our love for jesus or share about some of the things we're struggling with and maybe for our neighbors it's over a meal sharing their struggles and having opportunity to pray for them in the name of jesus so hospitality is huge for us as a family and i think about it as a lot quite honestly, even as a pastor, like making hospitality, practice of hospitality, one one of the foremost things that I think about and live out as a pastor. And and as for community, Caesar, as our table community, this is something that I'm really excited about. So get this, the, the, the the largest budget item, you know, so, you know, as faith communities, we often have budgets, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's practical. Um, the largest budget item for our table community is hospitality. Great. And in other words, we, we, we have set up a number where we, we say that we, we want to have food. Uh, we we want to have meals at all of our gatherings. Couldn't and, agree more, brother. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so and we've I done mean, the same thing for years, budgeted that. And even a separate little fund, any missional community wanted to throw like a bigger, broader neighborhood-wide thing and they needed some extra money for serving or equipment or whatever, we will get that money. We will find that resource. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. very practically, you know, so we meet um, 
at the uh, at the canal with a group of men on Thursday nights. So the, the, there, we live right by the Welland Canal. So the ships come through from one Great Lake to the other, and they come mm. through the canal. And and there's one lock there called Lock Seven. So a bunch of us guys and, and guys from the neighborhood hang out at that lock on Thursday nights. And and the one thing that connects us all as we hang out there is we bring food. Mm. And we talk about, you know, who's going to bring some food next week? Sometimes it's it's guys from the table community. Sometimes it's guys that we meet. You, you, you want to bring some food or we'll just order pizza. And we hang out around food. And, and we, we, we tried to work out those rhythms of, you know, as we connect with, with the guys there, you know, we, we ask if we can pray for them or, you know, we talk about the things that are going on in life. And uh, last, last week there was a guy, um, didn't grow up in the church, no, no concept of religion whatsoever. And uh, he was saying, yeah, my, my, my dad was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. And uh, he said, you know, as we were eating pizza, kind of the pizza's hanging out of my mouth. And he, he goes, um, would it be possible for you to pray for my dad? And I'm like, yeah, man, like, let's do that. So we just prayed there together, you know, in the name of Jesus for his dad. And uh, and, and and then the, you know, in the time to follow us, he's like, you know what? I, I think I, I'm I, I want to pray, too. I, I think I want to pray every night before I, I'm like, OK, yeah, you pray before every night before you go to bed. That's awesome, man. And it's all just hanging out around food and then having opportunities to to uh, yeah, connect people with the heart of God um, around a meal. Yeah, beautiful. I don't think we can do too much of it. And, and what a perfect uh, opportunity God has built into the rhythms of our life, uh, at least here in North America, approximately 21 times a week. We're participating in that. And so is everybody we know. It's a really a matter of intentionality. It's not all oh, I'm just too busy. It's like, but you're eating. <laughs> if nothing else, I can give you all the rhythms. We have these six discipleship rhythms that kind of show you how all of life's been perfectly suited and fitted by God for discipleship and for his glory. Uh, but yeah. that one is such an obvious one. It's not a matter of addition, right? It's just a matter of intentionality. Mm, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Now, uh, uh, just to wrap up, I have to ask, because you're in Canada, how did the whole restrictions around COVID and pandemic stuff and lockdowns and all, how did that affect you? And, and what are some of the things maybe you did to keep going and getting around it? Not like legally, but I mean, to still keep being in people's lives and having meals and staying connected. So here in Canada, we were facing the same realities as you. I, I know because I'm part of peer groups with yeah, people who serve in ministry throughout North America. And um, yeah, it was a real challenge, man. It was the challenge like it was for everybody else. But like so many churches, we, we had to shift. We had to. Sh so, for example, I talked about early on about having community dinners um, in an inner city school gym. And, you know, that was, was something that we did for like five, six years. Uh, we had to shift because we couldn't have those gatherings in the school gym anymore. So we started having them in our homes. Um, so here at our home, we have a carport and we started hosting some meals underneath our carport in our house. There and uh, there's another lady who's a, a leader at the table um, wonderful single mom. She started hosting um, some dinners in her backyard, and uh, yeah. you know, there, you know, <laughs> cool story. Last summer in COVID, um, she got to know this young woman who kept coming out. Uh, this young woman, her her husband had passed away from a drug overdose, and she was left as a single mom with a two year old, and um, mm. she came and connected with this leader um, at the table. And uh, she heard the gospel and she was baptized in, in this leader's backyard in the pool. 
um, in the midst of COVID. That's how and, I got um, baptized. It wasn't COVID <laughs> then, but it was in a pool in a leader's backyard. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, how do we get on? I mean, it was hard. And, and it's well, way to go. Is, you just we, kept making it work because that's what family exactly. does. Exactly. And we say yeah. that to a lot of the folks that we coach too. It's like, I know it takes a little bit of creativity. It's a different thing. Instead of meeting with everybody all at one meal, now you're having five meals with a whole, just a few people or you're doing it in your carport. We had to move our happy hours out to the driveway. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like it's yeah. just different. And now yeah. things are a little more open here and we can do kind of what we want. You really can't yeah. other than you have yeah. to wear a mask at a store or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. Uh, but it's opened up. But But I didn't feel like we lost any ground or momentum. It was different. I think we went deeper with fewer which is never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And then wider with more as it opened up. But well, I was just curious in that because I know there was some unique challenges uh, up north there of us, but way to go to love people well enough to figure it out, sort it out, keep moving forward. What a beautiful yeah, thing. It, yeah. And I talked about another example that hanging out at the canal at lock seven, we had just identified that as a place where, where people were just hanging outdoors outside in the midst of pandemic. We noticed, and we just we just walked into that. So we just started hanging out there, started bringing some food, uh, you know, right in our neighborhood, just living with open eyes and praying, and just seeing where people were gathering, gathering, and then just stepping into that, stepping into yeah. that, and engaging with the gospel. So. I love it, man. That's a heart level shift that that mm. you're expressing there. I never saw this thing as a well, it's a technical issue, or it's a medical, or it's a political, or it's a legal. No, it's a heart level. We get to look with the eyes of a missionary and the power of the Holy Spirit into those types of situations and go, okay, lead us, mm. show us, empower us, resource us. But there's your people. There's those image bearers of yours that you created for your glory. So we yeah. get to. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, if that don't work, we'll try something else. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I can't emphasize enough the power of prayer. Like, I mean, just coming to God as, you know, as a small group or missional community, uh, as a church in the midst of shift that we're seeing in the world, you know, it's harder to do ministry. Mm. I can't emphasize enough the power of prayer. That's been huge for us. And just coming to God and seeking his direction and, and seeking his will for what he wants us to be about in our in our community and that would be my encouragement to people mm. is is to start with prayer and just keep on praying as you make steps of faith into your community what next lord we'll do that and then we'll ask again <laughs> yeah beautiful yeah. great encouragement yeah. thanks again terrence for being with us and just being willing to share a bunch of your story. I, I have a thousand more questions I could ask, but what I'll do instead is I will finish your, your book, Peace of the City, and I'm gonna encourage our listeners as well to go into the show notes, check it out, search it up on Amazon. I'll have a link for sure in our show notes, but uh, you can find it at Amazon, and I hope you will. I hope you'll check it out and, and be further encouraged that you can trust the Spirit of God to move you from kind of a passive and static Christian experience to be a part of his great mission and live in the life we were created to. What a thrill ride. Thanks for telling us a little bit about your thrill ride today. Yeah, thanks. Great to be with you, Caesar. Have a good one, man. Okay, wow. I hope that is encouraging to you. Maybe you're finding yourself in that same place where you're kind of hearing God's voice say, there's more for you. We're not just going to blow this off or we're not just going to keep going through the paces, but I have more for you. Will you follow me? And I had that happen. Tina and I have had that happen so many times in our life before. And even though it's been scary, I won't lie, there's always this, wow, I can't even imagine if we hadn't followed God there. We look back at our life and we see all of those steps, all of those sort of breaking of our strongholds and giving us new faith. We see all of those as grace now. It's really, really 
the life that Jesus died to give us. And so maybe today's episode really hits you where your heart is. Now, as always, I want to leave you today with the big three takeaways from the topic. So if nothing else, you don't miss these. Maybe you're working out or driving and you can't write this down. You can get a printable PDF of this as a download for free just by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three. All right, here's the big three for this week. First, God doesn't always call us to big changes, but when he does, he provides the faith that we need and the resources we'll need for the journey. Terrence says in his Peace in the City book, following Jesus is not an act or performance. It's an act of faith and submission. And it doesn't start with perfection. It starts right where we are. I love that. He says, by taking one small step of obedience, one step towards a lifestyle of Christ-likeness that grows in intensity throughout our lives. Yeah, powerful. God doesn't expect us to start with perfection. All right, number two of the big three. Our calling to make disciples among a specific group of people requires us to be present with them. That's a big part of my takeaway from this story. Just like Jesus came to us as a human and he took on the rhythms and customs of the people he was with, well, so must we give our lives, not just our programs, our lives to those who God calls us to. Making disciples is an all-of-life engagement that ultimately radically reorients our time and resources for God's glory. And number three, how long will you settle for the present circumstances in your church or small group if you're not happy with them? If you, as in Terrence's story, feel like God is calling you, your family or community deeper into a lifestyle of discipleship, moving on from a practice of your faith that has primarily been done on Sundays or one extra night each week, Now is your time. Jesus didn't die so we might sit in rows or in classrooms merely hearing about him. You've heard me say that a lot. The greatest adventure you'll ever experience awaits. Take that first step today. Just ask him. He'll show you and you can trust him. I'll put a link to Terrence's book, Peace of the City, in the show notes. So if you go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash podcast, that's where the show notes are. You can find it every week. That's where you can also click on to download the big three if you need to. All of that stuff will be in there. Well, that's it for today. I hope you'll join me next week. I'm going to be talking about celebration according to the gospel. We've got a lot of holidays coming up. A lot of parties, a lot of work parties, church parties, neighborhood parties, all kinds of stuff. In fact, we live in a rhythm of celebration. Let's talk about how the gospel informs celebration and some of the cultural challenges we might face if people party and celebrate in ways that we don't feel comfortable with. I think you're going to really enjoy that. It'll be an encouragement to you as well. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.